commencing countdown. Three, two, one. This is the Contracting Experience. Connecting government contracting professionals to the world around them through conversations with acquisition influencers, insights into evolving hot topics, and sharing lessons learned from the field. Hello, Contracting Experience podcast listeners. This is Amber Pecorero, your host. And today on the podcast, we are talking to Mr. Bob Ohenick, who is the Technical Director for Air Force Materiel Command Contracting Directorate. So are you a new contracting officer or are you in the process of becoming a contracting officer? This series of episodes, we're going to talk to seasoned and new PCOs about what they wish they would have known and advice and insights that they can share. Welcome, Good Bob. Good morning, Amber. How are you doing today? Good morning. How are you? Oh, fine. Thanks. Good. So, so Bob, um, today we're going to talk about notes to new contracting officers. And just to start this out, I want to talk a little bit about your experience, and then we'll get into the, uh, the notes to those PCOs out there. But um, you have over 28 years of experience as a civil servant for the Air Force. Can you tell me about where you're from and how you got involved with Air Force contracting? Thanks, Amber. I appreciate you having me on. Uh, I guess really the, where I'm from is going to be very boring. Uh, I was born and raised here in Dayton, Ohio, uh, right home of Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, and uh, just grew up in this area, used to go into the air shows, uh, just enamored with the, the technology of the Air Force. And uh, so it seemed like a, a natural fit after college to to come work for the Air Force, uh, you know, looked at different opportunities, you know, sometimes to move, but, you know, Wright-Patterson and Dayton, Ohio has always been the place uh, place for me, so just enjoyed it here. Um, came into the government, like you said, 20, boy, it's hard to believe, 28 years ago now, you know, back in 1990, and uh, um, actually came in an information management career field, uh, so worked in that in couple years uh, over in the air base wing, uh, so that was a little bit different, spent a couple years on staff over there. And then about four years in said, okay, what do I really want to do when I grow up? And kind of looking at my, my background, my college degree, the information management and then the jobs I was doing really didn't seem to be a great fit, um, maybe for a long-term career and uh, not, not meeting uh, what I really wanted to do. And so I looked at the, the opportunities of contracting or finance, uh, even looked at uh, Personnel, uh, civilian personnel as well is a potential career field, but uh, you know, you know, was able to to work uh, with the contracting uh, directorate at the time over at what used to be Aeronautical Systems Center, now part of uh, uh, Air Force Lifecycle Management Center, and made the switch over, and uh, the rest is history. Hey, there's nothing wrong with being homegrown. I think that's I think that's pretty cool. So. No, no, we can you can still travel. Yeah, uh, you know, right. just Dayton, Ohio is easy on commutes that's and right. easy on. Uh, it's it's easy on a lot of things, and, and there's just so many opportunities here at Wright-Pat. Uh, it's just a unique environment uh, in the acquisition career field for the Air Force, so just, uh, just very lucky to be from this area. So as we know, working in acquisition, um, every person's career path is a little different. So you recently came over as the technical director, like we said, for AFMC PK Directorate um, from AFL-CMC HIK Business Enterprise Systems Division. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me a little bit about uh, your different career experiences which have led you up to this position? And then other than this current job, what have been your top two favorite jobs in your career? One of the um, things that we tell people, we've recently gone through succession planning here 
at, at Wright-Patterson in the contracting career field. And we often tell people, looking at the three to five year window, that's really been um, kind of a, the way my career has flown. Uh, so since uh, 1994, when I came into contracting, I've never been in a job longer than five years. Uh, most times it's not from asking. We never really had a formal um, succession planning process. It's just the way things worked out, whether it's promotions or um, different opportunities came up. And so uh, it's, I, I've been, very, like I said, very fortunate to work for four different PEO organizations, work in the research labs, uh, also in the air base wing. So I've had a, a breadth of experience and now at the MAGCOM, uh, it's, you know, the, the, the transitions have afforded me opportunities to work with a number of people uh, in, a, in a number of different settings and grow and learn along the way and uh, just, just really having the opportunity to, to work with all the professionals, regardless of career field, um, has helped me learn and grow and, and uh, create a path towards um, upward mobility, upward, you know, growth opportunities uh, in, in contracting. All right, I feel like I'm talking for forever now because no, with with the multi-part question. So, <laughs> uh, but so we have so the uh, the the next aspect that you ask is two favorite jobs. A mm -hmm. um, number of years ago, I ended up getting involved in the, the the special projects type aspect of contracting, and so working in some of those areas has been was fascinating uh, to me. Mm -hmm. uh, it's um, it can be a little disconcerting sometimes because you're on your own but it teaches you uh, when to rely on yourself and also when to go to ask for help. And so it's important uh, to know when to do that, but it's, it was a, the, the opportunities afforded there to really help streamline the process, I think are really um, a great deal of what I carry with me today that is helping in the current environment where we're asking people to think outside the box and do things differently. Mm -hmm. You can do, there's a lot of organizations that can do things differently. It's just looking for those opportunities and how do we free the capabilities the, 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 within our people to be able to use those flexibilities and, and the minds and the education they have to apply to our, our, our business environment. It's, right. it's, it, you've seen how big the business is. I mean, from some of your work, you know, I'm familiar, you know, with that, you know, you work in one of the largest, you know, FMS programs, yeah. I, you know. Definitely learned a lot, that's it, for sure. <laughs> right, you know, huge money, huge yeah. complexity. And, and so to have an opportunity to be able to work in an environment, but then also to take, all right, what would you have done differently? And I asked myself that. So what would I do differently and how, how can I apply that on policy and in working with people to really kind of put together the best process available? And it's helped to formulate some of my thinking that why do people do what they do? Why, mm -hmm. do, you sh why do you shop online where you shop? You shop there because it's easy. Mm -hmm. Why do you drive the way you do to work? You do that because it's easy, it's, it's convenient. And so as we look at re-engineering, refocusing our, our career field and our acquisitions, <laughs> how do we go about doing that same thing? How do we make it easy, but still make sense for the taxpayer and the warfighter? So, you know, we're dual focused on the schedule and the time. 
And so how do we focus on both those at the same time? So, right. so that's what, you know, like I said, working in special projects did. I'd say probably one of my other favorite ones uh, was over in the human systems division. It was, okay. it was an interesting office. Um, it's people, it's a very uh, misunderstood office, whereas people don't uh, know what goes on there. Mm -hmm. But the, the neat part is that you can really work every part of that a major weapon systems acquisition does, but at a much smaller dollar. And so therefore, a lot of times you have more control over the acquisition and, and the path it's going down. Now, there's still politicized aspects of it, but it's, it, it's very interesting to, to, to see how uh, human systems really reaches out and touches every platform, mm -hmm. uh, and then to get a chance to, to impact that and help drive that and maybe what are uh, shorter um, schedule environments than, than what we have with uh, major weapon systems. And so, so it's, so it's, those are probably the two that um, really helped in a, a lot of my learning uh, mm -hmm. growing up. Well, uh, there was something that you said that I really liked, and it was um, continue to learn and to grow. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes, you know, we may get wrapped around the axle on, well, you need to move after so many years, or, or you need to don't stay anywhere too long, or, or I know I need to stay longer because of this, that, and the other. And um, so I think you made a good point that, you know, there, maybe there's not a set time for each place that you're at, but you need to make sure you're continuing to learn and to grow. And so if, if you see that maybe there's another opportunity for you to do that in a different office, great. If there's an opportunity within the current office that you're in, great. But it's kind of, you need to make sure you're continuing to learn and to grow in order to keep yourself interested um, and, and in order to keep yourself motivated to, to do, you know, to keep working and, and um, get things accomplished. So. Um, so I really like that, and I think you kind of tied it in with both of your answers that, you know, looking for opportunities and as long as you're continuing to learn and to grow, you know, that's very important. Yes, yeah, you're right. And so we talk about, we, we're all required to do our 80 continuous learning points mm -hmm. every couple of years. To me, that's easy. I've never had to fret about that. Right. It's just a matter of documenting what we do every day. Right. And you want to keep learning and adapting. And, and, and as you said, it's not always necessarily a three to five year point. We do focus on that, but there's sometimes to spend longer in a job. There's sometimes reasons to spend shorter exactly. amounts of time. But you have to, to me, it's a, uh, a personal responsibility right. that you have to keep pushing and learning and growing because exactly. it's what helps to develop those skills you need and to make you valuable wherever you are. So as we mentioned before, um, this episode is notes to new contracting officers. Um, so what are three things you wish you could have told yourself as a brand new contracting officer that you know now? Uh, probably the first thing is learn how to ask questions. And sometimes it's the simple questions, just the why, mm -hmm. or how'd you come up with that, or where did you get that? And so the, uh, the inquisitive nature helps a great deal, whether it's uh, from internal um, in contracting knowledge, or from learning about a program and the technology we're buying, or the, the, service, the service or supply that we're, we're trying to acquire. So it's, so it's just about learning as much as you can, uh, and the reasons behind it, the, the logic, uh, why are we taking the time, why is the policy there, and, and understanding that. So really it's asking questions, I think, is, is probably one of the big things and, um, and, and not being afraid to ask the questions. Another one is um, really u utilizing your resources, reaching out mm -hmm. to your 
uh, to your attorneys, to your policy uh, staff, to pricing, to, 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 to personnel, to all those people that impact your career, create that dialogue uh, and utilize your resources. And whether that comes, uh, to me, I think that starts in your foundational training, whether it's Merco or Con 101 or Jumpstart, how, whichever process you go through, start making connections with the people. And I, and I think the, the communication, the electronic tools today make that much easier. Mm -hmm. uh, but whether it's that or staying in touch through the phone, to me, electronic communication is fine, but voice communication, talking over the phone or video is even better uh, if you're across the country, is, it really helps. So it just makes a personal connection when you can see someone or talk to someone that electronic communication doesn't offer. Right. Um, I guess the, the last thing is um, teaching people the flexibility. The flex, flexibility is the key. I, when I look at leadership, I really focus on uh, attitude, I, I look at flexibility, and I look at persistence uh, of individuals. Uh, there's, there's other key aspects. We you know, always talk ethics and you know, doing the right thing, but uh, the, the flexibility, persistence, and attitude really matter. And so with flexibility, it's be willing to see the different positions that people are considering, not only from understand, better understanding why I'm doing what I'm doing, but also if I'm going to negotiate with someone, how do I uh, understand their position? To be able to better negotiate, I need to understand where they're coming mm -hmm. from, and so I need to be flexible enough in my thoughts uh, and understanding to pick up what, what is driving them and understand they have motivations to get this done, to get the, a deal negotiated. So how do I come to um, a resolution of the, uh, of the difficult negotiation that we're in? Because regardless of the, the dollar amount, or the organization you work within, they're challenging. And so you have to be able to find that, that flexible way to come up with a, a solution to the problem you're facing. Yeah, I, I think you brought up a good point about the being able to ask the whys, mm -hmm. um, especially as a brand new PCO coming in. I know for myself and, and even just when I'm talking to my buyers and my PCOs out there is understand why you're doing what you're doing. And, and don't be afraid to ask because Ultimately, you're not. It's gonna, it's going to be harder for you to make a decision if you don't have the the right information, um, or if you're trying to make a decision without accurate information. So, and and you may not always have all the information you want to have to make a decision, but you know you got to ask the whys in order to get there. Mm -hmm. And you've got to be willing to listen. Exactly. Listen to the answers, mm -hmm. and so you can't always be thinking of your next question. You, right. Part of that communication process is taking that in right. and learning from it. And to me, that's, that's what really helps with the development. So we, we feel like we know our jobs mm -hmm. and that we're ready to move on to, a, to another challenge. Right. And like you said, it's about building relationships. I mean, whether you agree with your PM or your FM or whoever you're dealing with, you got to work with them and you have to be able to, to get to that end goal. So as long if we both under, at least understand each other and respect each other, you know, it'll be easier to get to that point um, rather than taking a stance and not moving off of it. So. Correct. We have to look for, at some point, our, our opinions and our ideas and our thoughts all have to come together mm -hmm. um, on the government side and then also with industry mm -hmm. to find that common ground that allows us to move forward. And so drawing a line in the sand is, is not always uh, 
uh, an effective way of doing that. Right. There are times to set that hard and fast stance, but you do have to, to keep in mind that we do need to keep, that we need to move forward. Right. And so, so, so finding those opportunities. Definitely. So what did you find um, most challenging about being a PCO? Part of what's the, the frustrating part for me is the blame game. I, I don't like that at all. I like, I like seeing our teams work together. There's, there's a lot of people that, whether it was going back to college or uh, other efforts on the outside, you get a lot of people say, well, I work better independently. Mm -hmm. uh, to me, that's uh, not life. Mm -hmm. Life is you have to know how to work with people. Right. And you have to be able to work towards a solution. Being able to, to define that um, and then move towards a common goal together is helpful. Um, when we start pointing fingers, and, and, and there's been times I've done this myself, and so I, I, I then have to look back and say, okay, what could I have done better? Right. But I know there's others and other functionals, and we, we, there are natural strains, there's natural tension between those organizations, uh, between the numerous functionals, and that's good. That's the, that's the part of the check and balance process that allows us to get to a, a, a good decision for, for the Air Force, for the DOD, for our country. But when it gets to the blame game of when did I give you something, well, I gave it to you at 5 o'clock on Friday. Right. And then you go to staff meeting on Monday. Well, it looks like you had it three days. Th that was annoying. And so understanding you just have to let some of that go mm -hmm. and, and you just work towards the final solution. But also, I think just, so that, that was a frustrating part. But so truly understanding the, the role of, a, I think a program manager is key. Mm -hmm. They're focused on schedule right. more so. They're focused on all aspects of a program, but schedule is one of the key drivers, and that's what we see across our, our uh, DOD acquisition environment today. So understanding how we put their priorities there being program managements, but also mm -hmm. our program's priorities first, while we also remember our other responsibilities. And so I, I think that's that's really challenging. And, and so talking to that during the contracting officer development process um, and to keep PCOs developing over time is key. And looking right. for those, those ways to, to say, okay, here's what I can do for you, the realm of the possible, but then also being able to communicate in a professional fashion I can't get to that point and, and being able to tell people and then being able to stand up and how difficult that is sometimes and how uncomfortable that is. So getting, uh, um, I, that's challenging for, a, for a, a new PCO, but then even as you move up because those challenges just become uh, more prevalent sometimes mm -hmm. when you get to higher levels. You still have to, you have to work together to solve problems across organizations, across services sometimes. And so how do you build those tools on the way up to, to be able to handle and find solutions to, to larger, more strategic problems as you grow in your career? Now you had talked about uh, you know, reflecting back and maybe sometimes you didn't always get it right, but at least you try to look and see what, what can I learn from what happened. And I think that's, that's something that new PCOs, all PCOs, but especially new PCOs need to think about is you may not have the right answer all the time, but you need to be able, if you can learn from 
maybe sometimes that when you didn't get it right or when something failed or didn't go the way you thought, if you can learn from that, that's all we can ask and, and, develop, and develop yourself from that and then share that with your buyers and other PCOs and say, you know, I mean, that's kind of the main thing is, you know, we're not always going to get things right and things are gray a lot of times as we know. So um, being able to reflect back and learn from those experiences is the biggest thing, I think. Yes, and in part of that reflection, I've said the, the harshest tool ever invented was the mirror. Mm -hmm. But if we can look in there and be introspective yeah. as we're going through things and at the end to, to learn from it, you're absolutely right. Find that in that gray area, where do you find that solution and then how do you improve to be able to find it maybe more quickly the next time? Um, so, so the next question, I know, at least for us that have gone through the PCO process, um, you know, you take on a big responsibility in doing that and you, I think you really feel the weight of it once you uh, start signing your first your first contract and you're like, and when you get into a very complex situation and then you're like, why did I do this again? But, um, but no, it's, uh, so my next question is, what did you like most about being a PCO? It's, you're right, it is a, it's a challenging process. Uh, it's, people are surprised sometimes when they see the questions and, mm -hmm. and the process we put people through, the professional hazing, it's obviously not <laughs> hazing, it's, it's, uh, development. it's it, is, it is development, <laughs> it's preparation because it's, it's what you face. Yes, um, yes. When you go out there, you, there are demands from many sides to, to, to come up with an answer, to find a solution, and so that's, that's what the, the, the PCO process is about. What did I like the best about being a PCO? I think the ability to uh, really think creatively to, to, to solve problems mm -hmm. and to find ways knowing that you are the person signing on the bottom line, taking that responsibility in leading the solution of a business deal uh, for the Air Force. I, 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 I tell our people every day, we live in the greatest country on the face of the earth, but then to be a small piece of that as a PCO and negotiating contracts and solving problems is, is exhilarating. And so to have the, the, the responsibility to set the negotiation range, to, to, to help a buyer find, you know, develop the weighted guidelines and come up with a, the positions to try to negotiate and, and then talking with a PM and your engineer and your loggy safety, security, mm -hmm. all the various functionals, you know, finance. Uh, and then finding, you know, making sure it's all legally prepared. I, it's, there's, there's a lot of complex aspects to it to making the, the deal come together. And so I, I, I found um, working as a PCO to be uh, quite refreshing. Um, and and challenging. So that, that thought challenge was, I think, really um, what I enjoyed probably the most uh, to, you know, to try to define and, 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 uh, and craft a deal that was good for, for everyone. Well, I appreciate you um, participating today and providing your insights into our notes to new contracting officers. So uh, thank you, Mr. Bohenik. Oh, thanks, Amber. I appreciate you having me on. And uh, it's, it's a neat opportunity. It's a great way to, to communicate and, uh, and reach out. So thanks again. If you have suggestions for topics or people to interview or feedback on the podcast, you can submit those at thecontractingexperience at gmail.com. I want to thank you all for listening to the Contracting Experience Podcast. Until next time, keep connecting to the world around you.